Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up whatever you want if you dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Lots to talk about tonight. Your calls are the primary element if you make them, however. So we go to the phones and the fun. And we'll start things out with Paul in California. Paul, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's on your mind tonight, Paul? Well, I'm, I'm actually a New Hampshire uh, native originally, and, and I'm just looking at all the great things that are happening in New Hampshire with the Free State Project. And I was thinking that there is also another kind of activism, which I haven't seen quite as much of, but I think would be really helpful also uh, help to, to kind of uh, increase ties with the community. And that would be, you know, as we, as we move away from more, you know, government and we move away from state control over a lot of things, uh, we need to build up the alternatives. So, for example, uh, say, say the, there is, uh, you know, government funding either from the uh, state or from the uh, the town that goes to a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter, mm-hmm. we can set up a, you know, an alternative uh, voluntary either charity or, or perhaps uh, some kind of uh, just association to, to replace some of those functions. Oh, I, I think it's a good idea. I, it's, an, it's something that inevitably has to happen, and I think that some of the activism that you aren't seeing necessarily it's not being splayed across the front pages of uh, you know the, uh, the the blogs or Ridley report uh would be the fact that a lot of the activists up here i'm sure are involved in their community in some way uh, do, yeah, doing some sort of volunteer yeah i think you're absolutely right i think you're absolutely right i mean i i can't see uh you know a lot of what's going on from here but uh, and I, i'm sure there is a lot of that but it's just uh, something to be aware of and i think it's it's also it's, you know, it's a really great uh, talking point when you're in the, the, the meeting, uh, you know, deciding a budget. Uh, you can say not only we shouldn't be doing this, but, but look, we don't need to. We have this alternative that, that uh, you know, is based on people voluntarily choosing help or, 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 or some kind of uh, business or uh, it, you know, an alternative that's based on voluntary action. Yeah, and, and you're not just necessarily talking about um, helping the poor or feeding the hungry. You're talking about the a lot of the things government does. I mean, would would you be you're you're suggesting perhaps like having a road crew? I mean, this is something that has been an idea that's been thrown around. And I think at at one point someone did something like this in Keene. I think Russell Canning uh, did something where you basically get a crew of uh, liberty-minded people together and you go and fix the problems in the road that the government is supposed to fix, but just because they're slow and inefficient and awful, uh, they just they, they take forever or they just don't get around to it or whatever, uh, to have somebody go around and fix those holes. It's a great photo opportunity uh, to really show that voluntary solutions can work uh, and can work in a much faster, more uh, efficient manner than the government ones. Would, would you say that that's what you're talking about as well, or are you just specifically referring to charitable, kind of uh, help the poor kind of things? No, both. I think that's uh, excellent. That's exactly the kind of thing you can show. I mean, it's hard to justify increased budgets for fixing roads if, you know, yeah. you've gone out and done it already. And I think actually the, the, uh, the armed uh, litter pickup is a good example of that also. Uh, so I, I think it's great. It would be great to see more of that. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to uh, also for those, you know, political opponents that we have, uh, it's harder for them to demonize people if, if those people are helping to, you know, it's obvious to everybody that they're helping to build up the community no and doubt create about these alternatives. It. There's no justification. There's even less justification for, for government 
if you know they 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 really wouldn't have a leg to stand on. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I agree, and um, what, what, here's what, why. What part? Um, with the, the 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 idea that if you have a privately funded organization that takes care of whatever problem it is that they're talking about, um, that somehow the the you know the big status type, type people will roll over and that, that folks will come to your side, is because I mean if you look at what the biggest what's the biggest expenditure in uh, New Hampshire town budgets, personnel, caller, yeah, oh. um, schools, that's the oh. line item. Gotcha. Um, okay. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. So yeah. private yeah, school, school right? I mean, you know, he's he he threw you off with personnel anyway. Um, schools have personnel. That's what costs money. Yeah. Um, right. Right. So. Um, the, you know, there's private schools out there, lots of them. There's one in my town that educates um, kids for $1,500 a piece. However, we spend $11,000 per student educating the kids in, in my town. So it's, you know, I mean, you'd think that people would be, see the light on this, but they do not. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there are certainly cases where that there, that there are great alternatives and, and you know, people, they, they, it still won't change. I mean, you know, part of that, it, you know, they always sing, they do the song and dance of what about the truly poor people that won't be able to afford the private education. And, uh, well, for, for starters, I think a good thing, transition tool is vouch, which should be pushing that hard. Uh, but also, uh, you know, it, it may be that uh, we can, you know, have uh, scholars, some scholarships or things uh, for private schools. Um, I mean, it's just, uh, in that case, you know, you make a good point. It's not, it's not going to be the magic pill, but I think it would be a good tool. And it can, uh, you know, you really, you got the people who really believe in statism, and you got the yeah. people who really believe in freedom. But they're, most of the people are somewhere in the middle, and they probably don't do a whole lot of thought for themselves. This and could so be, you, you know, show the, this... those people that you're on their side, and you're, you're, you know, you know, you can, you can go along. Yeah, you'd be exploiting the the chinks in the government's armor, and uh, and for those who are paying attention, they could see that. I mean, there may be a lot of people out there that understand that government schools are awful, uh, but at the same time, they're not really sure what they can do about it. Um, in the same way, they may not understand that the roads could be taken care of by somebody else. And so having a road crew go around and fix some problems could be a way to draw people's attention. Plus, I think another difference is, and I'm, by the way, I'm with you completely on this, Paul, I think another difference um, is that the people that are in favor of private schools and homeschooling and getting people out of government schools, they're not really out on front street advertising the successes of the homeschooling movement. If you're a homeschooler, you're keeping to yourself, except for if they are you know, passing some law that is going to regulate homeschooling, then all of a sudden the homeschooling families turn out in mass in Concord to, uh, to fight it up here in New Hampshire. Uh, but generally, if you're homeschooling, you're just kind of, you've got your kids and they're at home and you're fine. So there's no real reason to go out and, you know, have a photo opportunity where you are essentially reaching out to the populace to say, hey, homeschooling's great, you should homeschool or withdraw your kids from the government school. There's no real campaign there, whereas what you're talking about you could really kind of use to promote. You could promote the fact, literally just right out there on, at, at front streets uh, to, to say to people, okay, see, this does work, instead of what's happening now, which is just people are going about their business. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great to promote things like, and even with homeschooling, you know, maybe uh, some sort of convention or, or you know workshop for people thinking about it. Where you know you could really show the successes. I mean, I was actually originally I was homeschooled, and uh, you know I've been quite successful. And I think uh, there, you know the, the statistics back that up, and uh, I, I think we can make that case. We can make the case on uh, all different levels. That you know on most most every subject. 
that, uh, you know, voluntary action is always going to produce results. And I think showing it's kind of kicking the stool, the legs out for the stool of the uh, where they don't, they run out of arguments for reasons that they need to exist. So, Paul, when are you going to come up to New Hampshire and start all this stuff? <laughs> I don't know. I'm signed up as a friend right now. I'd love to uh, sign up as a full participant. Uh, we're, we're working in it. We'd really love to move, uh, and, and hopefully it'll happen in the next year or two. Great. Well, if, you, if you'd if you really love to move, why don't you sign up? I mean, I, you know, uh, the idea is... Right, is you don't you, have to leave tomorrow. You don't have to leave tomorrow if you sign up. You only have to leave after 20,000 people have been reached, and it's five years after that. So... That yeah, gives it makes you a sense. I, I, I may go ahead years. and do it. I, I kind of talked uh, with my wife about it, and she she's concerned uh, about committing to anything without 100 percent sure. So it may very well, well be that. When we sign up, we're also signing up for the next stop and actually leaving. <laughs> well, I, I understand we'll where you're coming from on that. However, when you look at the first 1,000, uh, you know, at, if they all showed up, they certainly didn't uh, report their whereabouts because they, you know, I mean, the number's not even over 1,000 here yet. So. And no one's going to sue them for it. Right. And it's and just I mean, an intent. You know, 100% surety. <laughs> we won't send collectors, I promise. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hopefully you'll come up here and lead those uh, those activities in case they haven't been uh, started yet. But a good suggestion nonetheless, and thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. I mean, we talk a lot about the Free State Project on the show, movement of activists all converging, liberty-minded people all converging on New Hampshire. It has begun. Hundreds of people have moved already. And a lot of them are self-starters. We need more people to come here and create the activism they want if it's not already happening. It's up to you. More on the way. You can bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line, and this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial toll-free to 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are completely free, so enjoy them on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And the features include bulletin board system with over 400,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about from serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. If the stories of civil disobedience here in New Hampshire have touched, moved, and inspired you, but you're unable, for whatever reason, to be involved, well, now you can. The Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org allows you to care for these brave men and women by financially supporting them while they face down the organizations that operate through violence and coercion. cdevolution.org. Toll-free 800-259-9231. We continue with your phone calls, and we will go to Dave, listening in the People's Republic of Somewhere. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, There's been a lot of talk of conspiracy on your show of late. Okay. Yeah. And I just wanted to throw in my two cents and say that I think the two biggest conspiracy nuts would be you guys. What do you mean by that? Well, you ever watch Pinky and the Brain? <laughs> Tonight, we're going to take over the world. I'm familiar with it. Oh, exactly. I, I mean, I, I picture Mark walking in saying, what are we going to do tonight, Ian? And Ian responds, same thing we do every night, Mark. Try to take over New Hampshire. Well, wait a second. Do I have to be Pinky? <laughs> oh, hell, excuse me. Enough. <laughs> so what are you suggesting there? You're suggesting that we are, in fact, conspira- uh, conspirators? Well, you're conspir- you guys definitely are. You and all the other Free State members are conspiring to take over but the state. But wait a minute. That's not true. Uh, doesn't a conspiracy have to be done in secret? 
I don't think so. I think well, conspiracies are sure. done in the open all the time. No, I don't think so. I'll have to go check the the, the definition on that one. Plus, I'm not really interested in taking over anything. Uh, I'm just more interested in being left alone. However, it seems like see how they're not would... going to leave anybody alone until they're uh, you know they have to shut down. Well, I I I got to give you credit because uh, this armed uh, trash pickup thing. I just found out about that the other day on your boards. Yes, and the only time I've ever seen people on the side of the road picking up trash, they were in shackles and there was some guard standing over them with a gun. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I sort of like that. Because I, I, I have had goings with the city where I've done something on their property, like cut a limb off of a tree. Okay. And, boy, they get really upset about that. Oh, yeah. You know what? I expect that if you have, uh, if you, we were talking about the road crew going around filling in potholes, I fully expect that whoever is on that road crew is subject to being brought up on uh, criminal charges. That There have been stories in other areas of the country, at least, where somebody will go out and make some kind of modification, traffic-related modification uh, to the road, perhaps out in front of his house or business. Uh, there was one story about a guy that, that painted a, a crosswalk. Made his own crosswalk, <laughs> and oh they goodness. arrested him for it. Uh, they charged or tried to charge him with something. So fully expect that from them. Yeah. By the way, I'm, right, in well, front of, oh, oh, Dave, uh, I'm in front of the dictionary now, and a conspiracy is an evil, unlawful, treacherous, or surreptitious plan formulated in secret by two or more persons. So, uh, oh, if it's not secret, it's not a conspiracy. Oh come on! Definition three or four probably yeah. says just any any agreement yeah, between two. But you're busted, dude. I mean, you're busted. You got nothing here. <laughs> Thanks for the All call. Right, well, Appreciate it. Over Thanks. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Now, to be fair, there are some people up here who are really into the whole secrecy thing. They aren't very many. There are just a handful of them. And I don't agree with that particular approach, personally. The idea of uh, trying to keep your plans completely secret from whomever it is that might be prying uh, government people or busybodies or whatever. I like the idea of putting everything right out in the open, having public message forums where people are just planning right there in the open. I I, I think there's uh, something really valuable in that. Uh, and I think that if you're going to be secret, I think if you're going to spend a bunch of time and effort on, on privacy and secrecy for your little activism plans, I think it's all going to be for naught. In the long run, I think that there's a very real chance that if you start being secretive, you're going to attract some kind of uh, undercover agent, and you've spent a whole bunch of time encoding your messages, but you've been worked from the inside. Somebody gains your trust, and they get, get inside your inner circle, and you're compromised. How soon you'll be compromised, I don't know, but eventually... These you got to think about it. The guys that are in the secret agent fields for the government would love to uh, to bust into a group of free staters and figure out what's going on, wouldn't they? They'd love that. And so, of course, that's going to happen eventually if you continue on with the secrecy thing. So why even waste all the time? Why waste all the effort uh, encrypting messages well, and creating secret forums? What and- I, 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 I don't disagree with what you're saying because I, I feel like if you're going to do something that uh, you know it's it's good to be out in the 
the open on it because that way it doesn't look like you're lying about anything and you don't have you don't have any explanations to do. However, up here we've we've you and I have experienced I have experienced uh, people talking you know like my past is wide open for mm-hmm. people to look at and they'll they'll talk about uh, you know things that we're doing things that we talk about on the show my past as though we've tried to keep these things a secret. I mean they're on our website that's how it got yeah. busted out in the first place. It's out there for anybody with a computer to look at. So right, you going to prison? They, they, yeah, they make me going to prison. So they'll look at. So they'll they'll talk about that like, oh, he's trying to hide something. No, <laughs> no, what? So they'll they'll try that even if you're not being secretive. So again, it, it seems to me to be a fruitless waste of uh, time and effort to put put. put um, money in, and your effort into uh, secrecy. And maybe you disagree with me on this. 800-259-9231. Now, I think there could be exceptions to the rule. I think that you know, if you're planning a surprise party or something like that, obviously you want to do things like that in secret. You want to be a little cautious with that kind of thing. But if you're not being violent, if you're not destroying property, you've got really no reason to be so secretive, in my opinion. Would love your thoughts if you want to chime in at 800-259-9231. As we continue with your phone calls, we go to George in D.C. George. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, I kind of pissed off a U.S. senator a couple nights ago when he was coming through, in which um, Jim Nafka is going to be a real proud of me for this. What did you do? By the way, you work for the TSA, for those who don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, Senator Joe Lieberman was coming through. I was working on, uh, like, ticket documents, you know, checking your IDs before you go into the checkpoint. And Joe Lieberman and his staff came through Saturday night, and that's where I pretty much hit him with uh, re- uh, read the bills. At. How, co- how come you guys don't read these bills? And st- you know, Nice. And you heard of Jim downside of these. You had a captive audience of a uh, senator because you're a TSA agent. Very interesting. What did he do? How did he and dodge I, you? And, and, I made sure he answered before I finished doing his staff stuff. Yeah, but he must too. have slimed out of it. How did he slime out of this? Oh yeah, one? He, he he slimed out. I was like, uh, uh, I got um, these guys to read read the bills for me. <laughs> he even got my name down. Um, two of my coworkers think I'm, I'm going to be fired within a week. Really? <laughs> but I was like, you know what? So worth it. You know, cause that's awesome. <laughs> I, oh. I got the cojones to you know. <laughs> if, if you if you do get canned, call us and let us know because uh, well you know that that's that's a big story. And if you get canned, it's a great excuse to get the hell out of D.C. and uh, move up to New Hampshire. Yeah, That'd be a Joe. national story. Thanks, George. Let us know how it goes. Good luck. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Pretty cool though. It's uh, certainly a, a job perk, I suppose. <laughs> More on the way. You can bring up anything. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. And this is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up anything, just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. We give them all 
to you for free, including live streams, got a broadband version and a dial-up version of the show, both free, as well as a webcam when it's working, but apparently our webcam provider is broken tonight, so there will be no webcam for the show. Uh, so, But it's all free when it's working at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. We continue with your phone calls, and we'll go to Dan in Kentucky. Dan, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Yes, I wanted to talk about private education. Sure. I believe I believe you had a caller, Paul. Was he he? What was he discussing? Uh, homeschooling or? Uh, that was part. Of, that was part of his call. What were your thoughts? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> well I'm moving in July. You're moving and, to New Hampshire. Yep. Oh, excellent! As part of the Free State and, Project. Yep. Cool. Which is of course and, a movement of uh, liberty-minded people all moving into New Hampshire. Have you signed the the actual statement of intent at FreeStateProject.org? Yes. Excellent. Yes, I have. So um, I'm going to round Durham, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, I was thinking that if things work out like 10 years, we can uh, start a private school or something to compete. The idea would be to compete away the public schools. I think it's a lovely idea. I, I think that a private school that was really out there pushing its services, I think, would be an interesting creation instead of just the ones that exist and people seek them out. Uh, really pushing how valuable they are and how great they are compared to the government schools would be be interesting yeah. to see how they did uh, in the market. And they they could offer special services too. They don't have to do the separation of church and state. I'm not very uh, religious myself, but. Um, I could see how that might be a benefit to some or a value to some people. Now, of course, the trickiest part about creating these alternatives to the government is the funding issue, right? Because, well, everybody's already paying for these governmental services through property taxes, so many folks are probably going to be pretty reluctant to send some money your way, whether it's for your private school or whether it's for a private road crew going around fixing problems. So it'll be interesting to see what the uh, the public's response to something like that would be. I mean, how likely is someone going to be to contribute to the road crew? On one hand, the road crew is out there fixing the problems, but on the other hand, they're already paying money to the government. So how likely are they going to be to want to, say, uh, contribute voluntarily to the road crew's funds so they can continue fixing the problems? That that I don't know, and it remains to be seen. Well, yeah, that's very... That's very true. The economics is against a private school, but uh, with the current paradigm. But uh, maybe in ten years or so. <laughs> well, I'm I agree. And in ten years, in ten years, there should be a, so many people here. I mean, already we have over what six hundred free staters in state. Uh, the, in ten years, there should be at least a few thousand people here. I would think, if not, you know, we hopefully will be to uh, twenty thousand and had had the move happen at that point. So there should be a whole hell of a lot more people than there are now. If you've got enough people, then a property tax revolt becomes a real possibility. I know people are saying that uh, you know we're not even close to that point yet, but maybe in ten years we will be ready for something like that. And that way, if people if we do have these alternative institutions, whether they be again private schools or a private road crew or whatever, you know, yard uh, or a park maintenance. If you've got all these private entities, then at that point, people could join the property tax revolt and say, "Okay, well, I'm taking looking at the city budget. You guys are spending X amount on uh, on the road crew, the city road crew, but I think you're doing a crappy job. So I'm going to take 75% of that amount. I'm going to give it to the private guys. People should be able to make that decision with their money. Obviously, right now, everybody's too scared to because they don't want to lose their house to the bureaucrats. But if there were enough people joining in some kind of a revolt like that, 
then they couldn't do anything about it. They, they wouldn't be able to throw everybody out of their houses. And if there are enough people that could come to the defense of somebody they did attempt to throw out of their home, it would be a real politically messy, unpopular situation at that point. Yeah. So I think you're absolutely right. I think that uh, it, these are all possibilities. They're all things that need to happen. It's just a matter of how soon. When will the funds be available? When will we have the, you know, the capital available for uh, and the entrepreneurs who are willing to take those risks uh, to do to do these things? Well, very good. Thanks, Thanks very for good. the calls, and I do appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231, and congratulations in advance on your move to New Hampshire. As we continue, talk to Matt in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Matt. Good evening, Mark and Ian. How are you guys? Hey, Matt. Doing well. Uh, What's on your mind? Uh, okay, so th- today I uh, went to the bank. I had some business to do at the bank, and there's a uh, young lady uh, who uh, is helping me out, and she's got these fantastic looking nails they're all painted uh all colorful with little stripes on them and everything else and i said oh those are, you got nice nails and she said yeah and i said i bet you paid a lot to have those done she goes no i did them myself so i looked at her and i said hmm, i bet you you could make quite a bit of money doing that for other people and she said yeah she said when i get licensed i think i'll do that and i go you don't need to be licensed to do that and she tells me, yeah, yeah, I, I have to be licensed. I go, no, you don't have to be licensed. All you got to do is say, you're a computer consultant. And when somebody comes into your shop, you're going to talk to them about computers. And if they want to, their nails done while you're talking to them about <laughs> computers, you'd be happy to do their nails. What did she say and to this? It was a brilliant idea, but what did she say to it? She just looked dumbfounded at me. She didn't know what to say. And neither did the uh, the other girl, the other... Uh, She's probably never even considered uh, working outside of the system, probably never considered uh, breaking the law like that. Exactly. It it wouldn't be breaking the law. She would be a computer consultant. That's true. You'd be be legitimate. You'd uh, get a computer consulting job and a free uh, nail nail buffing. That's right. Something like that. And, you know, know, when they paid her, they're not paying her because she did their nails. They're paying her because she was talking to them about... Com- uh, computers or, or a beauty consultant. Great idea, Matt. I hope she takes you up on it, but I doubt she will because she'd probably still be frightened to death of uh, of doing something like that. You, you never have know. Have a certain, you never know. Yeah, it's, it's a worthy uh, suggestion. You just have to have a certain gumption to take on something like that. You have to be willing to risk some level of prosecution. I mean, it's easy to say that, hey, I'm a computer consultant. It won't necessarily stop the men from, you know, the men with guns from threatening you. I think that it's important to get people, everybody, thinking about this kind of stuff. I agree with you. Uh, it's it's basically working in the underground economy is very important. By the way, we're having some phone trouble, so i got to let you go, but thank you. Looks like I thought it was maybe George with the hum on the line, but that's two calls in a row, so we may have to investigate. Anyway, we continue with your calls uh, from the network side, where we go to Dave, listening in Athens, Ohio, to WAIS. Hello, Dave. Hi, Mark. Did, Ian, did you get my email? I am so behind on emails uh, today, Dave. I, I probably did, but I didn't. Oh, I read sent it. one to Mark. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I was going to say. I thought I responded that. Did I, Dave? Oh, I haven't checked my email yet. Well, but... what can I do? What, what can I do if you don't check your email, Dave? I will check it tomorrow. Okay. But like I was saying, what people are generally seeing is chemtrails. No, comtrails. Excuse me. Contrails. Yes. Jets dumping their fuel. That's basically what it is. Just. A jet drone. Why would the jet dump its fuel? Well, when they have to come in for a landing or something like that, don't they dump fuel? I don't know. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know what makes a contrail. Wait a minute. I know what? that it's a natural. I thought it was it's something to do with the jet engines. Yeah, it has to do with the engine, and uh, I don't know exactly what the scientific process is, but I'm pretty certain it doesn't involve dumping fuel because if a jet is to dump fuel, then well, that could splash on somebody that's on the ground. I mean, do they only dump the fuel if they're over a body of water? If so, what if there's no body of water around? I mean, I I've never heard of this, Dave. Are you are you absolutely certain that jets just well, dump fuel? That's expensive. Yeah. Well, I've seen it over the Ohio River a lot. You've seen the the contrails, not necessarily yeah. fuel dumping. And I live about 76 miles southeast of the airport. Well, think about this, Dave. I mean, if you dumped fuel, it's in liquid form. So why would it vaporize and turn into, uh, you know, essentially a, a, a cloud? I mean, that's what a contrail is. It's a cloud left behind from the airplane, is my understanding. All right, I'll do my research. Yeah, look into that a little deeper, and thank you for the call. Now, okay, they, and I'll check my email tomorrow. Very good, sir. Uh, so thank you. So, now, it is true that planes do dump things. They do dump that blue uh, sewage stuff. Water out of their plane. Usually over the water. I think so, usually over the water. But it has been known to uh, freeze as it comes through the atmosphere and and essentially turn into blue ice. When then it, it'll just crash through people's roofs. So that's that part is true. I know that. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll free eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away. So enjoy those, again, on us, free at freetalklive.com. You like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So whatever it is you need in life, it's there. Most likely they sell a lot of stuff, including used items. Again, enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, and a percentage of your sale goes to Free Talk Live. As we continue with your phone calls, uh, and we talk to Gene, the Christian anarchist. Gene, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Well, hi. I wanted to uh, give you some information on fuel dumping from aircraft. Yeah, please do. Sounds pretty crazy um, to me. Yeah, and and as far as the blue water stuff, they don't. I mean, they don't dump their toilets in the air. What happens sometimes is there will be a small leak from the uh, from the vent, and uh, some of the liquid will uh, leak to the outside of the aircraft where it freezes, and then when it forms a big ice ball, it mm-hmm. falls off. That's but that's not the stand. I mean, it doesn't. Oh, happen very I see. Often. So they're not they're not purposefully dumping things over. No, they don't it. dump that. And as far as dumping fuel, it only happens for safety reasons, and that would be uh, the the very few instances where you would have to dump fuel is if you uh, you take off with a full load of fuel, and your aircraft is not rated to land with that kind of a load. So you have to. Uh, if, assuming you just took off and something happened and you had to turn around and land, you would then need to uh, dump some of that fuel. Thank you for uh, for clarifying that, Gene. There... So, didn't you say, Gene, t- tell us about these uh, contrails. What What is it that we're seeing with a contrail? Contrails, for the most part, are uh, water vapor that forms when the uh, fuel condenses. Uh, the water vapor that's in the fuel condenses in given atmospheric conditions. Um, that's not to say that they don't sometimes spray things in an experiment, but for the most part, what you're seeing is uh, just water vapor. 
and sometimes the water vapor will dissipate very quickly, which is uh, which is the case uh, probably 95% of the time. Other times, depending on the uh, the humidity and the air density and stuff, it'll last for uh, a longer period, like maybe an hour or two. Now, it's essentially a cloud, know, right? I mean, it's basically a cloud, yeah, water vapor. But um, the military definitely has uh, used uh, high altitude spraying for uh, weather modification, uh, for over the over the horizon radar experiments, uh, things of that nature. So. Definitely there's some truth to that. Uh, most of the time what you see are just plain water vapor trails. Gene, thanks for the expertise tonight. Anything else on your mind? No, I just wanted to call you up on the uh, on the fuel dumping. It is like, very expensive to dump yeah. that fuel, so they're not going to dump it unless they absolutely have to. Makes sense. It's, it's always for safety reasons. Thank you, Gene. I appreciate the time tonight and the call. Expert pilot, uh, yeah. p- pilot's word there. He's certified and stuff. All right, 800-259-9231. So I saw this great little article at lurockwell.com. Felt, uh, I felt it was just so awesome I had to share it. Dear federal government, now the author claims that this was in, wasn't actually his, uh, that he found it left behind at a local drinking establishment. Author unknown. Dear federal government, drop dead. Excuse us. This is for Valentine's Day, by the way. Excuse us. Some may consider such bluntness to be indecorous, but why beat around the bush? In any case, we've been around the bush, this bush, bush, too many times to count already. It's time to let you know what we really think of you, what we say behind your back, what we whisper to each other when you leave the room. We hate you. We want you to drop dead, or anyway, to go away for uh, to go away and never come back. You're not welcome anymore. We have tolerated you, and we emphasize tolerated for a long time, long after whatever romance there may have been was gone. We can pretend no more. You are disgraceful, boorish, nauseating, corrupt, shameful, arrogant, dishonest, self-serving, parasitic, disgusting, hypocritical, and rotten to the core. You have not even one redeeming quality. There's nothing you offer that we want any longer. We're not even sure what it is we ever saw in you to begin with. We suppose you can be forgiven if this letter comes as a shock. Why, you say? What do you mean? I still command great respect and inspire widespread adulation. And I still care about you. Isn't it obvious? Well, it's true that in public we often nod our heads and agree with you, government. Even defer or appear to defer to you. But we assure you that this happens not out of respect. Rather, it arises merely from the fact that you have a lot of guns and a bad temper. Inside, we're seething and resentful. Inside, we imagine your demise in the most vivid and gratifying of ways. We may fear your irrational and violent behavior, but we manifestly do not respect or agree with you. We don't love you. We don't even like you. At any rate, our revulsion toward you has finally come to outweigh any fear we have of you. We refuse to keep our real feelings in for even one more second. We want you gone from our lives, and we mean completely. Vamos. Go. Die. Please understand we aren't here to argue. No special new subsidy, tax break, or privileged loophole is going to sway our opinion or make us change our minds about this. We've been there, done that, for too many decades to count now. Likewise, your threats are starting to make us yawn and even laugh. You see, we know all your tricks now. We can see through your lies because we've heard them all so many times before. We are fully aware of your true nature, and we see that nature is radioactive evil, wrapped in a tattered blanket of ignorance, foolishness, and stupidity. Look, we know it's only a matter of time anyway. Your dim-wittedness, greed, fraudulence, and moral bankruptcy are finally starting to catch up to you. 
Even your former employees admit as much. Do you remember Paul Craig Roberts, one of your past Treasury officials? Today, he says of your latest economy wrecking and warmongering efforts, quote, The world has never seen such total mindlessness. Napoleon's and Hitler's marches into Russia were rational acts compared to the mindless idiocy of the United States government, unquote. Mindless idiocy. We couldn't have said it better ourselves. Wait, yes, we could have, because we could have or would have also mentioned your meanness and malevolence. Our state governments are starting to feel the same way about you that we do. Many are openly refusing to obey your so-called real ID attempt at creating a national your papers please regime of Hitlerian proportions. Some are even starting to make noises about the Tenth Amendment, which reiterates that you aren't allowed to do just anything you feel like doing. And we're not big fans of our state governments either, but at least they don't start wars, counterfeit our money, and prop up tyrannies across the globe. You yeah. see? Yeah, that's all true. <laughs> yeah. You see, look in the mirror for once. The emperor not only hasn't got any clothes, he's a quadruple amputee demanding that everyone admire his muscular physique. We don't know whether to laugh at or feel pity for such a pathetic creature. In conclusion, just so we're clear, we're done. Pack up and get out. Better yet, don't pack. All that stuff belongs to, uh, belongs to us in the first place. Just get out. And when you finally, mercifully do kick the bucket... Please make sure it's in some place far away from us where we won't have to smell the stench of your hideous, rotting corpse. Good Lord. Signed, <laughs> every normal human being in America and the rest of the world. Now, of course, by the way, it was brilliant. Thank you to David Bardalis over at uh, LouRockwell.com. And, of course, if it were only actually true and that people really were feeling this way. How many do you think really have something like this inside, Mark? How many, how many show respect and adulation toward the state on the outside, but on the inside really feel like this letter writer? Is it, you think it, there could be an, a, a I don't a think they enunciate it in that way. Um, I, I think that most people are going to, you know, <laughs> when they think about it, they think they love the America, and they equate that to some extent to its government. Mm-hmm. Um, they do realize that the government is scary, um, and that's part of the love. In the same way that, like a dog who's been beat too much, you know, mm. um, it's just. I, I was thinking about it today. We have a very timid dog um, who's loving and, and great, but and you haven't beat it. I have not. No. I've, I've, you know, we actually, when she was a puppy, decided that we weren't going to to strike the dog to uh, you know reprimand her yeah. because it just. I, with her, she's so timid, mm-hmm. and it's just not going to work. I think it's just a bad policy in general. Well, I don't know. I, I think some dogs. I, I you know, I leave that open in the same way I leave open spanking. Yep. However, with this dog, this is um, you know, raising. I think I just the sound of my voice can bother her. You mm-hmm. know, she it, you know she can just be very timid with it. So um, you know, but. I was thinking today as I was putting down her raw food that uh, Laura prepares for her. She, you know, makes makes this you know meal for the dog, which seems like a crazy amount of work for a dog <laughs> to me. But you know, hey, the dog clearly feels loved when it's eating this, you know, the chopped up chicken backs or whatever it is that nice. the, that she gets. <laughs> Have her make some for me too. <laughs> right. So she gets this. She gets she gets some, but she's you know she's also scared, and I can just imagine what it's like for a dog. That's... Is she sautéing it too while she's at it? No, you, it's no. it's raw food. You don't oh, okay. cook it. Raw. Gotcha. Right. So <laughs> I can just want to imagine what it's like for a dog who's been beat too much, doesn't know um, any different. You know, that's that's the owner. That's the person who I get love from, even yeah, if it's a you small still amount. Have to, right. You still have to. Uh, suck up to the owner to get your food, right? I mean, so right. even if he's going to beat you, you still have to pay him some due. Yep. So basically, you're a, it's, an, it's an interesting analogy. Uh, 
suggesting the American people are like a beaten animal. Hmm. 800-259-9231. Perhaps a beaten animal that someday will lash out against its owner. And maybe in a peaceful way. Hopefully we can get the peaceful thing to happen. Hour two's coming up. You bring up what you want. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. We're launching into hour number two of the show, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You know, uh, last I think it was last week, maybe the week before that, we had a young gentleman call the show, Mark, with a question we get a lot from our younger listeners on Free Talk Live. I mean, not every every few weeks or anything like that, but a couple times a year we'll get this one. And it was a question about college and whether or not he should go. Uh, he's getting up into that age, senior year in high school, time to start really being serious about thinking about such things. And it's a good question. And one that I think that, what was it? The answer that we pretty much came to, Mark, was basically that if someone's paying for it, you might as well, but if you're going to have to pay for it, think real hard about that. Think real hard about that decision, because for most people, it just, I don't think it works out for them. If they're paying for their own college, I just don't think, the, the, the well, debt load is so I tremendous. I don't think, right, and, when you say it doesn't work out for them, I think many of them uh, would interpret that as uh, you speaking for them, and uh, let's, you know, when, when you make it, cl- uh, you have to make it clear what you mean. Um, I mean that the vast majority of people that get a degree are not working in the field that they got a degree in. Did they learn some things while they were in college? Yes. Sure they did. Right. Could they have learned those things likely when they were um, you know, out doing their own thing? Yeah, likely. On the job training, etc. Um, a great yeah. deal of the stuff that uh, they've, they learned in college is probably outdated at this point and uh, you know, therefore pointless stuff to have learned. Um, some careers obviously require college. Uh, engineers are a great example. Lawyers, doctors. Um, you know those kind of things. That, you most know, people aren't going to college for those things. Most people aren't, right. and you know most of the degrees that people get, they don't use, and then they walk away with some debt load and a job that they probably could have gotten. You know, at a pay at a pay scale, they probably could have gotten without the schooling. So that's uh, how actually, I feel. I've actually got some numbers here at this point, uh, and an interesting story about the issue of college, and this the story is calling it a hoax. So we'll get to that, but first we go to your phone calls and talk to Pat in Michigan. Pat, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello there. Hello, Pat. Pat in Michigan. Going once. Pat, hey, you're on the air. Hey, how are you guys doing? What's on your mind tonight, Pat? Uh, Well, I'm just responding to um, Mark's um, comment on my Facebook wall. Uh, I started a Facebook group called uh, Protest Fiat Money. And uh, the idea behind the group is for people, uh, liberty-minded individuals, um, to write down, um, you know, to protest on their money, to write down Fire Bernanke on uh, their $10 bills or $50 bills or whatever, and uh, as, a, as a, an expensive means to protest. Fire Bernanke. How many Americans do you think know who Bernanke is? Oh, I think... 
think a lot of them do. I don't know about that. You, I, uh, if they do, I, that um, the, here's the question, though. I mean, um, <laughs> when if you fire Bernanke, you're just going to get the next guy who comes along. Would Greenspan be better to replace him with? Well, that's not the, the only thing. I mean, I think it's up to the individual to write whatever he or she wants to write. There you but, go. Um, I've, uh, yeah, I think that's the... That's Write a dissertation on the back about why the Federal Reserve is bad. I can see that. Um, you know, just sounds a, like a time-consuming activity. Well, it, it beats writing Fire Bernanke and then getting the next, uh, you know, uh, stooge in there. That's I'm all the in same favor thing. of putting messages on dollar bills, but it would make more sense if you had a stamp or something like that, something you could just yeah. stamp on. Yeah, I mean, this, I was just throwing it out there. I wasn't saying that that's the only thing you can, you know, write on it or whatever. Okay. Well, well, there you go. That's I, I a good idea. That, I think writing uh, writing a little, you know, a paragraph as to why the uh, Federal Reserve is a bad on thing. every single dollar you have, or just on yeah, one dollar. I mean, how much time are you going to invest? Look, in this? I mean, if you the the, the dollar is going to get read more than your blog. Yeah. That may be true, uh, but it seems it seems to be pretty time consuming. I just. Uh, you got a lot of if you got a lot of dollars, that's a lot of writing you have You're to not do. Why not make a stamp? I mean, if you write it on if you write it on two, you've done more. Th- to me, you've done more than likely. You and you don't have to write the same thing. You can write different stuff. Mm-hmm. But to me, likely most uh, in most blogs I see out there get uh, you know just a few a trickle of people that see them. However, that dollar is going to pass hand to hand to hand. And I think that it it's, may it may. I'm not sure. That c- another question might be how quickly will it be taken out of circulation? I mean, there's this possibility if you cover up too much of the face of the dollar. Don't don't do the it on the face. Made both faces. You cover but, up but the, the back, too much. The back doesn't have information like uh, you know the serial numbers and all yeah, that other stuff. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. I don't know. I just wonder what the bank's policies are as far as taking dollars out of circulation. If, if obviously if a dollar is too mutilated, then the bank will pull it from circulation, and I, I, I think they send it back to the Federal Reserve. I'm not sure who exactly they, uh, what the process is that they do with it. But clearly, if you send in a dollar that's been cut up or or, or just completely destroyed in some way. They're going to even if they take it from you, uh, they're going to turn it in. So there's there's probably some sort of a, a line in which you don't want to cross. And I think that having a small stamp with you know maybe a, a thought-provoking question and a website might be something that makes sense. But a whole dissertation, I really question how long that one will float float around out there. The thing with the website is, I mean, that may sound kind of cheap, like you're trying to uh, promote something that mm-hmm. you know that serves your self-interest. Whereas if you were to write, you know, just freedom in small letters on on the back of you know a one-dollar bill. You know, how many people would see that and kind of be inspired by it? I, mean, I don't know. You know I, I think freedom means uh, a bunch of different things. It means something different to everybody. All of the f- freedom fighters in the world have been usually fighting to uh, free themselves from one tyrant and then become their own tyrant over other people. So freedom can mean a lot of things. I'm not trying well, to shoot down every single idea you well, have here. Yeah, as far as I'm no, concerned, no, I right. like I like the idea of writing a paragraph on uh, you know why the Federal Reserve stinks, and I do feel like somebody putting some crazy rant on the back of a dollar. I'm going to read that thing. Sure, be, it's going to get read, even even if it's even if it's incoherent words that don't even make any sense. I want to see what somebody took the time to hand write on the back of a dollar, especially if they've the got idea. good I'm, penmanship that they can write and you know um, on there. I, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just telling you. I'd like to hear from a teller at a bank. I'd like to hear from somebody who works in the banking field to say, you know, tell me if you get a dollar like this in. Of course, if it is on the back side, I suppose there's a slight chance they won't see it if they're running through the money at the bank, if they're facing everything in the correct direction. Uh, But I just wonder what their policy is for pulling things out, because I would hate to find out that you're out there spending. Let's say you decide to do this and you don't really figure out what the bank's uh, return policies are on, on dollars. 
and you start writing all this stuff down on the backs of these dollar bill. You're, you're filling out half of the dollar with, with text. And you go and you spend it at a local store. Okay, well, maybe it'll get passed out to somebody else out of the register, or maybe it'll go into their green uh, bank bag at the end of the night, be taken to the bank, and then within 24 hours pulled out of circulation. Now, well, wouldn't that be awful to find that out, Mark, would, after the it fact? Would, it wouldn't. Well, it, awful? I don't think so. I mean, yes, it'd got, be awful if, if you, got you the sat time, there and spent a bunch of time uh, writing it down all this stuff on dollar bills, and it's all being pulled out of circulation. I think a lot of people terrible. have time for hobbies like this, and I think this is a more productive hobby than, say, building model airplanes. You uh, mean uh, if it only not, touches not one? Say, if it only touches one person, it's worthwhile. And I also believe... Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that. I believe that it's going to go farther. It, to me, it makes sense that if you leave the front of the dollar completely untouched, yeah. and then on the back, I don't think they're even going to look at Maybe it. Maybe you're right. When, when you straighten your drawer, mostly you straighten it up, not down. Not, I mean, that's true, but you know, not, everybody, not everybody straightens, do they? I don't know. Bankers? I just wonder. I just wonder about this. That's all. I'd be very... He's I, a killjoy, man. That I would look to into him. it. That's... I, would you want to find out that all of your dollars be are being great. pulled from circulation? Bank tellers, call in. Well, Give us the information. You know what happens when 1,000 people in a small locality like New Hampshire decide to do that? You know, I mean... All of the bank tellers lot. will become educated about the Federal Reserve. <laughs> that's a good point. I just don't know, man. I think it's a fine idea, and I think you should go for it. If that's, how you wanna, if that's the activism that is motivating and inspiring you, I don't think you should let anybody talk you down from it. I was just trying to come up with some viable suggestions as far as what you might want to research a little bit before you uh, jump into this. That's all. I, and if that's what is, is floating your boat, I say do it and get those dollar bills out there. And who knows? Maybe you'll see another one come out of an ATM someday. Yeah, well, thank you for your comment. Hey, thanks for the call, and good luck. I, I've certainly seen mine continue floating around. I've been stamping Free Talk Live for a long time on dollar bills. Actually, lost a stamp recently, so I have to get another one. But uh, so I've been stamping Free Keen. In the meantime, I got a Free Free Keen and a Free Talk Live stamp. And one of our listeners, Mark, in the Boston area, was at a cigar shop, and he got one of my Free Talk Live uh, stamp bills down there. Cool. So they do make it around. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But this is just a tiny little stamp, whereas you're talking about taking up the entirety of the back of a dollar bill, I just wonder. That's all. Don't Maybe you stamp on the front and the back? Yes. I mean, so you're, you're taking up the real estate of the stamp twice. That's true. 1-800-259-9231. Uh, maybe you've got some expertise in this area, or you just want to talk about what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you. So enjoy those on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. You can see it for yourself. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Have you been looking to spice things up in the bedroom or fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to AdamEve.com and get 50% off one item when you type in FTL at the offer code coupon checkout. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. 50% off with offer code FTL at AdamEve.com. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. So, Mark, you just got off the phone with your wife. Used Laura. to be a teller, um, used to be a bank manager, actually. And we had somebody on the phone who was suggesting writing like a whole paragraph of stuff on the backside of a dollar bill to get the word out about whatever it is you want to get the word out. 
about, and I suggested uh, you might want to find out what the policy is of banks to uh, to pull these things from circulation, because I know they do that. Uh, the dollars they consider are destroyed, mutilated, beyond use. So the question is, well, what will a bank teller do if they they happen to spot this paragraph uh, written on the backside of a dollar bill? And what what was it that she said? Well, she said that it, more or less it. It's up to the teller, and completely up to the teller. Apparently, um, the the teller essentially a bank will have a you know bad money you know a, a destroyed money or old money mm-hmm. uh, section that they um, you know that they collect their money in, and then once they get to a hundred bucks, they can trade it in for uh, you know I guess it's in hundred dollar increments at the Federal Reserve, and the Federal Reserve doesn't look at anything, just <laughs> sets it on fire, and <laughs> you know gives you, gives you a credit. So. It's essentially completely up to the teller. So these guys could be pulling even a small stamp as well if they, they decide. They could be. They could decide that your your free talk live stamp, freetalklive.com, yeah. on there is just as bad as uh, you know a diatribe covering the entire back of the dollar. So you have to just decide. One takes longer than the other to do. Right. Well, and and my opinion is is that people look at the front of money, not at the back of money, as much. So you should, uh, you know, if you want to, I, I think that a stamp on the front, a noticeable stamp. On the front is worse than writing on the back, personally. Mm. Let's go to uh, your calls. Lewis is on the line in New Mexico. Lewis, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Lewis? Hi, how are you guys doing tonight? What's on your mind tonight? Well, um, we in New Mexico passed out a bunch of bills with the Ron Paul stamps on them. And, uh, you know, that, that's been over a year ago, and I don't think I've ever, ever seen one given to me either in change or from the bank. And, I mean, we probably handed out. Um, statewide in the thousands of those. So I believe that they, they did pull those as soon as they could get them out of circulation. I would think that they would find that even more offensive um, in the sense that you're talking about a pres- essentially a presidential campaign mm-hmm. advertising on the, the face of the money. And I know that you know Ron Paul didn't have anything to do with it, but, right. you know, like... I, I would think that that would be even more egregious than putting your website like freetalklive.com on. I've had friends call me to say they've gotten Free Talk Live bills back from ATMs and things like that. So, I mean, I, I know for a fact that some of them still are out there. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I can't say I put out as – it's pretty much just been me that's been stamping Free Talk Live. I mean, I'm sure there's the occasional listener out there doing something like that, but uh, pretty much it's it's got to be mostly me. Um, and so mm, I'm, I'm sure I didn't put out as many bills as you did with the Ron Paul thing. And if you really haven't heard any reports of anybody getting those Ron Paul stamps, you're probably right. A lot of them probably have been pulled out. Right. You know, there must have been tens of thousands, at least $10,000 nationwide done that. And, you know, I don't, I talk to people about that, and they've never even heard of that. So I'm sure they pulled those right away. Hmm. And most of the people that, that I dealt with here in the central part of New Mexico would get new bills, you know, right straight from the bank at a 50 or a 100 at a pop, and and just do it front bang, and back. Bang, 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 yeah. And, you know, they, those are gone. You know, I've never um, seen anything. Lucky, actually, I think that the campaign wasn't in some way uh, attacked for that because there was a there was a case where uh, a movie company put uh, stickers or something like that of the Silver Surfer on the back of quarters, oh, yeah. and they were fined in some manner or another. So now they did it, as, you know, in the form of a company, whereas you know in this case that was done by individuals. I don't know how exactly they would Maybe hold a fine the, line, yeah, yeah, they would hold the campaign responsible for that, but. You know, it's well. You know, Ron Paul had a, a disassociated campaign. So, yep. how do you really 
find who these people are doing that other than maybe the stamp maker. Well, I, I agree with you. However, um, it's likely yeah, they would try to go after Ron Paul. It would seem like, wouldn't it, um, you know, that they would love to go after Ron Paul for something and give him all kinds of trouble in court? Well, you know, I don't know if they would, you know, that, that's free speech, especially when it comes to political campaigns. So I don't know how well that would go over. I don't either. Hey, thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate it, Lewis. 800-259-9231 as we continue and we talk to... I believe we have Todd. Todd in Pennsylvania. Todd, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. What's up? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Todd? Uh, nothing. I just wanted to talk about the uh, opportunities that the presidency of Barack Obama presents. And uh, actually, one of them is ties in with what you were just talking about with the dollar bill. You know uh, that Tim Geithner, the Treasury Secretary, who's the tax cheat? Yes, um, I think there's been a handful of tax cheats, uh, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, there's actually been a couple, but he's now the Treasury Secretary kind of in charge of the IRS, which is super ironic. But besides that, his name will now be appearing on all currency once they start printing new stuff, and mm-hmm. people have started a campaign to sell tax cheat stamps, and they're going to stamp tax cheat over his name on all the currency they get. So Does the tax cheat stamp See, promote the, anything? Right. This is the, no. It doesn't promote anything. What's the point of that? Right. This is this the is another one of these. To raise awareness. No, it doesn't, doesn't raise doesn't awareness. Do what this is this is another one of these sort of pro Republican things out there that um you know I mean what you, what you're going to get out of this is at, at, at the very best circumstance is a new Treasury Secretary. Whee! <laughs> you know I mean <laughs> it's just. Pointless, and, and then, and then of course, you're going to have the Republicans on your side. Yeah, let's get them, and they're going to be very, very principled in the beginning. And then, what are we going to do? We're going to get more Republican politicians that are going to act like boo-boo. It's they party like it's 1999 up there in Washington D.C. and uh, so spending all the money. Idea. And, you know, and nobody's going to look propositioning at that and... little boys and whatever it is that they're doing. The up average there. American doesn't pay any attention to the whoever who who signs the dollar bills in their pocket. I mean, you're not even directing any to a website, so it's completely obscure as to why it is that that would be done to a particular dollar bill. I mean, you'd have to count on somebody going and, and Google searching the text of the stamp to try to figure out what the hell it was. Well, and then it, you wouldn't forget um, who this guy was. I mean, I can see a small amount of value in it. Small. In and the, you're also talking about having to get every dollar you have and identifying which ones are the new ones that, that, that you actually can stamp because the other ones you can't stamp because it doesn't have his name on it. And it just seems like an incredibly time-consuming activity for what? Well, I think you're right. I mean, and I think what uh, Ian, I believe, just said, or Mark, I think, actually, <laughs> is that it would raise, it, I mean, it's just a minor thing that will help raise people's awareness of the fact that the government that is supposed to be, you know, helping us out and whatnot is actually just completely against us. Yeah, I think maybe. a good point, is, I, I think most... point is that Obama had all these people supporting him and think he's going to be this great new thing that's going to come in and change Washington, clean everything up. But now there are more people paying attention and more people, you know, hoping for something from the government than in recent years, and once they all are let down, I think they'll be a little bit more ripe for the message of, you know, liberty and just that no government's going to help. I think think you're generally right about that. I just don't know if spending your time stamping over some bureaucrat on a dollar bill is going to do much to... Oh, no, I agree. I don't think I would spearhead that campaign. Oh, okay, very good. Good to to know. Find something more productive to do with your time, and I thank you for the call. But again, if that really is a... Seems like a great idea to you, then... You should do it. Uh, 800-259-9231 is a terrible waste of time. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. 
Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Get freetalklive.com. Features including, by the way, the updates. If you want to be kept in the loop as to what's going on with Free Talk Live, just go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on the list for free. That's updates. .freetalklive.com. Plus, I want to invite you to the upcoming New Hampshire Liberty Forum. It's happening the first weekend in March in Nashua, New Hampshire at the beautiful Crown Plaza Hotel. We are going to be broadcasting live from the entire event. It's like uh, probably the biggest liberty-oriented convention you've ever attended with huge names going to be speaking there, like Glenn Jacobs. You might know him as WWE's Kane. Perhaps you've heard of Dr. Mary Ruart if you've been around the liberty movement for a little while. Mark Stevens from Adventures in Legal Land uh, and so many more. Uh, the the whole full list of speakers is there for you at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. You can get the, the schedule of events at this point, and there is a lot to do. Plus, you can meet hundreds of liberty activists, many of whom have moved here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. So great opportunity to come up here and experience what it's like to be around hundreds of like-minded, liberty-loving individuals. Come on up, get registered over at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. I believe that it's now too late to get the hotel discount, uh, but you should probably take a look. Maybe they've extended it. I don't know. Is it the question really is, is it too late to get rooms? I mean, you know, at this point, at this point, you need to be concerned about getting a room, period. There's no uh, there's no guarantee as to at. You know that you're going to get one, so get in there and get it done as quickly as possible. Head on over to freestateproject.org/libertyforum. Use our discount code to save 10. percent You can still use that at 2009 FTL is the code. That's 2009 FTL. As we go to your phone calls and talk to Tom in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. Yeah, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. How do I get me a uh, gig on in, on GCN as a talk show host? Call them. Uh, you can oh. yeah you can call and uh, submit a, a demo to them if they're accepting them if they're looking for new programming they may be interested in in hearing such a thing. Okay, so th- I I don't have a demo because of course I'm not a talk show host yet. Well, but, you have to uh, pretend like you are, and, and and that they can check your archives and they can hear all the school. Yeah, that's stuff. not. I don't like, think that's going to cut it. I think you're going to have to well, actually well, go well, through. As somebody who's done this before, uh, you're going to actually have to go ahead and make it sound like you are a talk show host on a talk show sounding demo, and you'll have to send that Here's in. Here's what I'd recommend, Tom. Um, you know, what he's saying is correct. That's how you would go about it if you wanted to get on GCN, and I don't think that getting on GCN is a bad idea. You're going to have to do that if you want to get on your local talk station. I think you need what you need to do is you need to get a setup, and you can go to podcastalley.com, and they will tell you how to get a setup like this put together, um, and do a few, do some podcasts. Put content out there start doing your own show having a track record would be helpful then yeah. ask gcn hey do you want to take my show um, because you know there are people out there that that want to hear what you have to say and you just have to get your show to them and gcn is one of many ways to uh deliver it's a great way because they you know help you with radio stations and uh you know that's that's what i recommend now, now start, to be, start making a podcast to be fair though it, there have been else. some hmm? There's something else I, I want to bring up here. Yeah. Uh, on February the 1st, there was a double fatal crash in Queens, okay? This guy, 27 years old, is facing the charges, okay? Uh, killed were uh, 16-year-old Robert Ogle and 20-year-old Alex Paul, okay? So they never got a chance to drink legally. 
And here's the way the hate-mongering bigots and mothers against drunk driving look at this. The suspect has been charged with first-degree assault, first-degree vehicular manslaughter, second-degree manslaughter, third-degree grand larceny, third-degree criminal possession of stolen property, criminally negligent homicide, fourth-degree grand larceny, leaving the scene without reporting a felony and operating a motor vehicle while under the influence of drugs or alcohol. But, hey, at least he wasn't buying beer for them. Thanks, Tom, for the call. 800-259-9231. You know, in regards to the whole callers turning into talk show host thing, it's happened before. Uh, That's how Lionel got his start. He was a caller, a frequent caller of the Tampa Bay area talk shows, and then... I don't know exactly what the process was that he went through to get the gig. I, I imagine he still made up a demo uh, for the for the oh, people. Oh, you're going to need an air check. check. Yeah. Uh, so. But, it, you know, it's it's easy to make an air check when you say, well, here's a good show of mine. Listen to this. Mm-hmm. Um, or you take bits out, out of the show or, or whatever. And you need to be somewhat technically minded if um, to, to do these things anyway. You need to know how to do it. So... I fully recommend, you know, get, this is this is it, uh, you know, do the, it's it's available to everybody now. Anybody with the drive to be a talk show host can do that. Start making your own podcast, and at some point, you know, I don't know, Stefan Molyneux manages to make his, makes money off of simply donations. He, is that right? He, yeah, he, he lives off him. of donations on his podcast, and there, you know, I've, I've heard many people that are living off simply the podcast, let alone Right, they don't have a talk station. radio career to go along with it, they're just doing the podcast. And that's a great way to start. Of course, our friends Toby and, and Nick. Nobody, and, and you don't have to ask anybody, please, Mother, may I uh, no. be a talk show host for you. You just do you it. You just do it. Uh, and that's what Toby to and Nick did with Free Minds Radio. They started doing their their podcast version of their television show, and then they started doing a podcast specifically an audio version of their show, not the not just the audio track from the TV show, but creating an audio show for their listeners. And they they were doing that for I would say at least a I don't know about a year before they had the opportunity to step in over at uh, at GCN. So. Having a track record, that's pretty helpful. It shows that you're serious about the business. It shows you're ser- at least serious about your show. Whereas if you're just calling up to say, hey, I've got a demo I want to sh- uh, show you. I'd you like get to that try a lot this in this talk- business, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'd like to try this talk radio thing out. Uh, yeah, sh- come back and talk to me after you've got a year under your belt. That's what I would. That's how I would feel about it. If somebody were coming to me saying, "Hey, I want to, you know, want to get on your uh, your Liberty Radio Network," I would want to. I would want to see that you've been around for a little while without uh, bailing out of the game. I want to make sure you're going to still be there in another three months. So keep that in mind. Those of you who have such aspirations, you can do it. Just you need to get out there and do it yourself before you expect somebody else to pick you up or become responsible yeah you have to believe in yourself enough to uh to be doing the show as far as i'm concerned uh before i you know (laughs) take the risk i'm being told that uh the the board operator at gcn that shouting into a tape recorder is not a demo i i guess that's speaking to some of the demos they've been sent I can only imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine, too, because we were on this radio station uh, back in the day, WTMY, down in Sarasota, Florida. Be nice. Well, what? I just don't name any names. Don't name any names? What are you talking about? <laughs> You're not going to do it. Come on. There was this cat named Marty on oh, that God. station. And WTMY is a business talk radio station. I believe it still is. I haven't tuned in for a long time, obviously. But uh, it was a business talk station, and a lot of these little, small, hole-in-the-wall signals 
they got to get the money where they can get it. In fact, even some bigger stations are, are taking brokered programming, which means that the uh, individual who is on air, the, the list person you're listening to, is actually paying for the airtime. We've done it, um, and we know, have done it. We have. We're not. We were not. Um, by we, I mean you. I, you right. know, I wasn't as big, big into the show at that time. We, we did it to keep our show on the air and uh, to have a, an on-air venue for it at that time. Uh, but a lot of people just do it because, uh, well, number one, a lot of people do it for their business, like a stockbroker will buy his own, his own show. Or a doctor, or a lawyer, real estate agent, or so yeah, whatever. Some local business person will buy their own show to promote their business, and and some of them work really well. Some of them are really into radio, and they they love what they do, and they and that comes across on the air, and it's it's a it's a listenable show and a useful show in many cases. Some of them, on the other hand, are I believe you termed him a radio rat, and. <laughs> It's and a terminology my, that I've uh, you know heard in the past, which means yeah. that somebody who's really into radio, they, I, and I, yeah, people are into trains, people are into airplanes, yeah. people can tell you all kinds of different stuff about all kinds of different <laughs> things. Radio rats are into radio; they just right, love but it. When, but when you're into airplanes, but to some or, extent, you're a radio rat. You just it's you're a true. fan. It's true. I, I love radio. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but there's a difference between somebody who's into trains and then somebody who is uh, you know playing with their train set while on the air at a radio station. I mean, that's essentially what the, the Marty show was, was he would get in and have a train wreck on the air every <laughs> single show. <laughs> and since he was paying for the airtime, nobody said anything to him about right. it. I'd, I, when I would go in there, I'd try to give the guy suggestions as to how he could you know, make things a little bit sound a little bit better. You know, like talk into the microphone instead of being over here. <laughs> you talk right into it. That's the kind of stuff you want. All right, 800-259-9231. So make sure you've got the basics down before you take a demo into any kind of talk radio station or, or a syndicate. More on the way you can bring up what you want. 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can learn how to promote the show at promote.freetalklive.com. There's a whole list of things you can do. Most of them are completely free, some very low cost, to help get the show into more ears around the world and help expose new people to the ideas of freedom. Head over to promote.freetalklive.com. See the whole list for yourself. That's promote.freetalklive.com. Are you thinking about starting a business? Here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that could wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is fast and easy. They do all sorts of legal documents, patents, wills, trademarks. Use code FTL to save $10 off your order. That's LegalZoom.com. And back to your phone calls. We talked to David in Missouri. David, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi, guys. How are you doing? What's on your mind tonight? Well, there's a... There's a lot of stuff I could talk about. Sure. Um, but um, I guess uh, one thing that's really bothering me is these government agencies, namely the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Federal uh, the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, the Food and Drug Administration recently banned the use of albuterol inhalers. Okay. You know, the inhalers that you... You know, we use for asthma control. Sure, I've I've heard of uh, inhalers. I don't know what I don't know what's in them. Well, this this albuterol is a bronchial dilator, and it helps people with asthma uh, when they're 
in an emergency. You know, they can't breathe, they're choking. All right, so all these years, the Food and Drug Administration <laughs> has been telling us it's okay to use this. Now, all of a sudden, they've banned it because it damages the ozone layer, but yet... Oh, no. <laughs> yet, all these years, they've been telling us we can inhale this into our lungs, and that's okay. I, uh, when was the last time you heard about the ozone layer? It's been a long time. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> did the government fix that problem, or did uh, we just find out that, oh, yeah, that uh, the CFE, CFCs, they don't really do anything? Right. Well, they're just nuts. I mean... Uh, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. They they're also they're, they also decided to make vitamin B six a drug, yeah. classify it as a drug. I mean, who who in the hell? Excuse my language, but Sorry. who in the heck is in charge here? I mean, and by the way, I mean I I kind of you know I'm a little bit active, so you know I'm kind of you know on top of things, and I every now and then monitor the Federal Register. Now, in 2006, <laughs> the USDA entered a proposed rule, and that's the way they do things. They enter proposed regulations or rules via the Federal Register, and then they take comments on it. And then if you know there's no great big huge uproar or objections, then it goes into becomes a rule. Okay, So they said that they decided that they would not need to inspect boxed beef being imported into this country from other member countries because sufficient measures were already in place in those countries that we were importing from. And and I thought, what the heck? You know, what is the USDA's job anyway? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, they're bureaucrats, so everything they do is completely arbitrary, but... Uh, on the on the other hand, I am in total support of abolishing the USDA and the FDA and simply allowing. Amen, brother. Well, right. I mean, well, I mean, just, as far as the beef inspections are concerned, I'd pro- I would leave it up to the uh, the vendors. Right. I mean, the the, well, uh, the distributors to do that. What it draws up in people's minds, the USDA, is they imagine guys, dark haired. Thick glasses with the you know the the the, uh, the birth control uh, uh, right. frames, uh, right. going case by case through uh, you know cold refrigerators, checking <laughs> beef and checking well all the things that the USDA checks because I see that USDA sticker on beef sometimes so they must check mm-hmm. that so yeah. they, they 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 you know just hordes of guys that come right. in or you know they they ride around in uh, you know a uh, a semi with a little uh, disc on the top uh, uh, you know radar disc on the top yeah. just looking for you know bad people doing bad things and then they'll they'll pour out into a a farm and oh my god you know and the fact is the usda doesn't do crap they're a bunch of bureaucrats that sit around and do very right. little and now they want to do less and well, they want well, you know that not only that i mean they they're proposing now that uh every livestock animal approximately 30 species need to be electronically identified and then yeah. tracked and then reported you know, Which you is going to be a huge cost. Like for, that's going to be yeah. a huge cost for the mom and pop farms out there. By the way, as compared yeah. to uh, you the guys big know guys. About it. Yep. Yeah, Jim Babco well, over at DownsizeDC.org has been covering that one for a little while. Yeah. Well, you know, there's no no naisorg uh, There's good good information on there. Uh, we've been fighting that for years, uh, and we've made some headway in Missouri. Actually, we have uh, we've managed to get uh, legislation in place. 
and it's it's not great, but it's it's better than nothing. You know. What does the legislation involve? What is it? Uh, well, it do? funding. I mean, and you know, allowing. Uh, you know, what the first thing we did in Missouri was we we got the appropriations stopped. So you you know when you when you stop funding, then nothing can happen. Who did you stop funding of? I'm confused. Well, okay, they had a an NAIS coordinator who was a veterinarian, and he had he was heading up the program. Uh-huh. Now, Missouri had allowed a certain amount of funding for that, and they were getting matching funds. From, from the, the federal government. Got it. Okay. You see how you know how that works. Cooperative so, agreements. So, what part right. of the funding did you stop? The state funding? Well, yeah, we stopped the state funding. Therefore, the federal funds stopped. Interesting. Yeah. So, so I, the program you know, has basically been stopped dead in its tracks in Missouri. Is that what you're saying? Um, no, we no. just kind of threw a monkey wrench into the. So they're working the pod, around it, as it were. They're, I mean, they're still pushing it. I mean, the, they. They said they're going to make it mandatory, even though they've mm. been saying that it's going to be voluntary at the federal level, I whatever see. the heck that means. Yeah, they don't. Um, <laughs> right, they think taxes are voluntary. I mean, let's just get, right. right you got to get this, the uh, the viewpoint of the bureaucrats straight. Uh, I was watching some videos by a guy named Jan Helfeld. I think that, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce. It. Maybe it's Helfield, uh, but mm. uh, but he's got a YouTube channel and he's got uh, these old videos of him interviewing politicians that he's put up there. Some of them, I guess, are newer, but many of them look like they're from back in the 90s. But he corners these guys. I mean, big name politicians. He corners them with uh, liberty minded questions and gets them to just look like total jackasses uh, on film uh, but it's amazing listening to them just slime their way out of uh, these tough questions and yeah. actually claim that taxes are voluntary because, well, the government, even though they'll admit that it's using force on people, it's not the same as other people that use force and so therefore it's okay. And, and because you uh, are in a democracy, therefore you're volunteering. Yeah, you know, I... And that's one thing, you know, we're in a democracy, you know, we're in a democratic republic, and people forget to add on that republic part. What do you think different, What do you think the difference is? Well, a democracy is where uh, ten wolves and a sheep decide what's for dinner. And we don't have that? No. <laughs> I mean, what we've got is corruption in, in the federal government. You know? I mean, well, and, and even the state, I, think the like evidence... I was talking to one of the state senators here, and he was trying to get a hold of one of the federal senators, and the guy wouldn't return his call. You know, and I said, "Why do you think that is?" He says, "I don't know." And you know, something. But something well, that's happened. your representative republic for you there. I mean, look, the, I think this, the difference between a democracy and a representative republic is that in a democracy, everybody's voting for whatever, and then in a representative republic, everybody votes for the person that they claim is going to so-called represent them, and, and then they go and they do what they want. I so think really, we've proven the, that um, you know that that essentially um, the. But it's, if it's done right, guys. No, it's you can't well, do agree, it right. I agree my friend. that you can do it right. However, I don't think you can. You know, and no, no, no. It doesn't have anything no, to do no with doubt. cynicism. Uh, it, what it has to do with is forcing your neighbor to do things. And the government system, whether it's run by the people that are the right people or the people that are the wrong people, is inherently a violent, coercive system. And there is no right way to enact violence on your neighbor. Well, okay. Well, what's what's the what's the scripture? Uh, money is the root of all evil. It's poppycock, uh, it's, and it's, it's nonsense. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money. Thank you. Um, now, I love money. But, it you makes, know, there, it, I mean, there's all manner of distractions out there. You know, talking about that guy. You know, was talking about writing stuff on dollar bills and stuff yeah i mean rather than write messages on dollar bills go to your state capital people and do what 
I, I just don't think there. they care. Um, yeah. like, see, here, here's my. Here. I disagree with my there, partner. There are some statesmen out there. Believe it or not, there are some statesmen. I don't care if they're statesmen. You know, they're advocating violence against my neighbors and myself, and I don't appreciate that. Thank you for the call. I, well, I, I agree that a representative republic can work. I think that what we need to do is can have work a super to majority. extract money from people by force. Is that what you mean? To work better at that? I think that. What uh, do you mean? But when it, it can I work. think that the, the, the reason that your philosophy has any kind of traction is because we have such a bad system. If we had a system that worked better, you'd have no traction. Yeah, like not hurting people that want to opt out. That'd be great. More coming up. Hour three's on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three of the program. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. As we uh, continue here, you can bring up whatever it is that is on your mind. Uh, oh, yeah, we're going to get into the college things, the college, uh, college hoax, as I mentioned last hour. And the story is from Forbes.com. You know, the people that look at money for a living. Let's see what they think about this whole college deal. According to Kathy Kristoff, as steadily as Ivy creeps up the walls of its well-groomed campuses, the education industrial complex has cultivated the image of college as a surefire path to a life of social and economic privilege. Joel Kellum says he's living proof that that claim is a lie. The 40-year-old Los Angeles resident Kellum did everything he was supposed to do to get ahead in life. He worked hard as a high schooler, got into the University of Virginia, and graduated with a bachelor's degree in history. Whoops. Accepted into the California Western School of Law, a private San Diego institution, Kellum couldn't swing the 36000 in annual tuition with financial aid and part-time, and part-time work. So he did what friends and professors said was the smart move and took out $60,000 in student loans. Kellum's law school sweetheart, Jennifer Kultus, did much the same. By the time they graduated in 1995, the couple was $194,000 in debt. Wow, two hundred grand in debt. They eventually married and landed a six-figure. Each of them landed a six-figure job. Yet even with Kellum moonlighting, they had to scrounge to come up with one hundred and forty-five thousand dollars in loan payments, with interest accruing at up to twelve percent a year. That whittled away only twelve percent. Yep, that whittled, a whittled, whittled away only twenty-one thousand in principal. So their remaining bill was one hundred and seventy-three thousand dollars and counting. Kellum and Coltus divorced last year. Each cites their struggle with law school debt as a major source of stress on their marriage. It really is. Two people with this much debt just shouldn't be together, said Kellum. The two disillusioned attorneys were victims of an unfolding education hoax on the middle class that's just as insidious and nearly as sweeping as the housing debacle. The ingredients are strikingly similar, too. Misguided, easy-money policies that are encouraging the masses to go into debt, a self-serving establishment trading in half-truths that exaggerate the value of its product, plus a Wall Street money machine dabbling in outright fraud as it foists unaffordable debt on the most vulnerable markets. Now, before you go on here, I've, I've got a little problem with our couple that we're talking about, um, with the 200 grand in debt. Yes, sir. Um, now, 
I, I'm sure they were told this is the right thing to do. And but when you're talking about six figure incomes from both of them, twelve, ten, ten percent, ten percent loans. I'm sorry, you can refi uh, student loans and you can refi them very, very low because the government helps. Um, so I think that they may, there may have been some problems in taking out the loans in uh, these interest rates that seems rather high. And secondly, if you're making a six-figure income and you just came out of college, you know how to live cheap, so live cheap. Yeah, don't spend your income. Spend and, you know, pay down that debt. I think lawyer, lawyer, you know, lawyering, if that's what you want to do, requires college. Clearly, no doubt about it. Yeah. Can't get away without it. If you want to be a lawyer, you got to go to college. But you also have to be smart with your money. All good points. All that said, though, Mark, it uh, doesn't deny the fact that in many cases college is essentially a hoax uh, being perpetrated on young students. I, I don't disagree with that. And the article continues. Uh, college graduates will earn $1 million, more, uh, $1 million more than those with only a high school diploma, brags Mercy College radio advertisements running in the New York area. The $1 million shibboleth is a favorite of college barkers. Like many good cons, this one contains a kernel of truth. Census figures show that college grads earn an average of 57500 a year, which is 82% more than the 31.6 high school alumni make. Multiply the 25000 or 25.9 difference by the 40 years the average person works, and sure enough, it comes to a tad over $1 million. But anybody who's gotten a passing grade in statistics knows what's wrong with this line of argument. A correlation between a bachelor's and incomes is not proof of cause and effect. It may reflect nothing more than the fact that the economy rewards smart people, and smart people are likely to go to college. To cite the extreme and obvious example, Bill Gates is rich because he knows how to run a business, not because he matriculated at Harvard. Finishing his degree wouldn't have increased his income. All the while, students have been lulled into thinking of the extra million that will be theirs. They've been forced to, to disgorge at an ever-larger fraction of it, or an ever-larger fraction of it, in pursuit of the degree. While the premium that college grads earn over high schoolers has remained relatively constant over the past five years, the cost of acquiring a degree has risen at twice the rate of inflation, dramatically undermining any value a sheepskin adds. Offsetting that million-dollar discrepancy... Go, on, go Hit that one more time. Okay. That, that sentence. While the premium that college grads earn over high schoolers has remained relatively consistent over the past five years in that uh, they're making a certain amount more and that's been consistent. Right. The cost of acquiring the degree has risen at twice the rate of inflation. Mm. So the degree, the costs of schooling have gone up significantly is what they're saying. I'm still of the contention that if you can get, if, you know, if you can get uh, the, if, if you're listening to my voice, if you can get the money for to go to college, go to college. Um, if if somebody's going to pay for it, yes. but if you can't, then don't. And it's also my contention that if you're going for one of those careers that requires a degree. You should have somebody, I mean, somebody out there should be willing to pay for you to go because you should be that good at it. You should be that driven. If you're just thinking about, oh, man, I should go and be an engineer because they make good money. No, you do not need to be an engineer. You don't need to waste your family's money, your money, or anybody else's time trying to be an engineer because you, oh, you think it's a good idea. Offsetting that million-dollar discrepancy is the $46,700 four-year uh, cost of tuition, fees, books, room, and board at a public school, and 99000 at a private one, even after financial aid, scholarships, and grants. 
Add to all of this the equation and uh, add all this to the equation and college grads don't pull even with high school grads and lifetime income until age 33 on the average, the college board says. Even that doesn't include the $125,000 in pay that students forego over the four years. So the time that you're actually in school, you could have been making money. I call it the million-dollar misunderstanding, says Mark Schneider, vice president of the American Institutes for Research of the prevailing propaganda. Not only are college numbers spun, some are patently spurious, says Richard Sander, law professor at UCLA. Law schools lure in minority students to improve diversity rankings without disclosing that less than half of African Americans who enter these programs ever pass the bar. Schools goose employment statistics by temporarily hiring new grads and spotlighting kids who land top-paying jobs while glossing over far lower average incomes. One certainty, the average law grad owes $100,000 in student debt. Sanders says, there are a lot of aspects of selling education that are tinged with consumer fraud. There's a definite conspiracy to lead students down a primrose path. Warped as the numbers are, they don't begin to account for the hidden cost of higher education, and that is financing it. Borrowing has doubled over the past decade to roughly $85 billion in new student loans in 2007 to 2008 academic year, bringing total student debt owed to well over half a trillion dollars. The average borrower went 19200 into debt for a diploma in 2004, a 58% increase after inflation since 1993, according to the Project on Student Debt. The proportion of students who graduate with more than $40,000 in debt also jumped sixfold during that same period to 7.7% of the 1 million grads in 2004, or 77,500 people. Most will struggle for more than a decade to work it off, assuming relatively low 6.8% interest rates, according to the Project on Student Debt. For many, the terms are far worse. A decade ago, nearly all student lending was of the low-cost, federally guaranteed variety, most of it with 6 to 8% interest kicking in only after the student left school. Uh-oh, this is beginning to uh, put a hole in what I had said earlier. Huh? As costs outpace such financing over the past decade, the share of student loans from private lenders rose from 7 to 23% of the market, or $20 billion in the 2007-08 academic year. The rise of private student lending closed pro- uh, closely paralleled the subprime mortgage boom, which went from 8% on ho- of home loan originations in 2003 to 20% in 2006 before the housing meltdown sent that mortgage sector over a cliff. Private student loans resemble subprime mortgages in other ways, too. As banks and brokers did with subprime home loans, colleges and the lenders in cahoots with them commonly market private student loans alongside lower-cost alternatives, blurring the differences. The key one is cost. Many private lenders tack 10% origination fees onto 18% variable interest rates. This is, I mean, there's a lot of numbers here, and they don't sound good, I'll tell you that. 800-259-9231. If you want to share your college story, you're welcome to. Bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. We give them all away, including the updates. You get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to updates. 
www.freetalklive.com and to get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI is the main sponsor of the show. They do collections, um, early out billing. They do everything to handle accounts receivable for your business. If you like what Free Talk Live is doing, consider turning over your business's accounts receivable or, you know, somebody you know, talk to them about SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the first one on the uh, row on the right-hand side. Sickle, CAI. 800-259-9231. Continuing uh, with the story from Forbes about college degrees. Uh, they're calling it a hoax. Uh, the great college hoax, the name of the story, Forbes.com, where they've been running through some of the numbers, and it just it just doesn't make sense for a lot of people to go to college. And this is, this is backing up something we've been saying for a long time on this show. And I think that uh, Jason Osborne from SACL CAI, his advice is, uh, is the best I've heard, and that is that if somebody else, like mom and dad, are going to pay to send you to a college, okay, you might as well go. But if you're going to have to finance it yourself... Really look seriously you know, at the numbers. I don't even know. You know, mom and dad, uh, good piece of people to look for uh, some money for college. But you know, that, to some extent, that's your wealth you're spending. Likely, those people that have been so fastidious about putting that money away for you would give you that money for some other, you know, a business venture that you're you're depends. doing. Depends. It depends on how obsessed they are with college. I mean, if you've got parents that are depend. obsessed with college, they're only going to give you the money for college. It but depends. yeah, if you could get a hundred grand out of your parents for, uh, you know, opening a business instead, when, if you don't have to pay it back, because obviously you're not going to pay them back. A lot for their of money lost money. in opening businesses. You should, uh, you know, you should know what you're going to do, and yeah. you should be very, you should be mature with your money and things like that. But, but yeah, uh, if you could get the money out of your parents for something else, then that'd be yeah, cool. not something else like a car. By the way, right? Um, I mean, you know, those are things they're going to have to agree to, to it, right? That, those are right. things you need to pay for for yourself. I really think if you're going to go to college, that there's a there's a lot of scholarships and grants out there. Get your butt in gear, do well in school if you intend to do and co- go to college. I they'll give you the money for free. Well, as we know, they push the uh, the college thing pretty heavily while in high school. Of course, all the education uh, industry is working together to promote the idea of college. And indeed, lacking honest input about the numbers, three-quarters of high schoolers still seek to go on to college, many deluded about the financial prospects it holds, according to the American Institute, uh, where the, one of their researchers says, part of the drive is the idea it pays. We need somebody making more realistic statements to these young people about the risks. And the risks are hefty. Half of students entering college never even earn a degree. Six in ten African-Americans depart without one. Hundreds of thousands of young people leave our higher education system unsuccessfully, burdened with large student loans that must be repaid, but without the benefit of the wages a college degree provides, warned an education trust study. Among the half of entering students fortunate enough to get through college, millions go into debt for two-year associate degrees. These alumni out-earn high school grads by only $8,400 per year. Tracy Katzer, who's 27, enrolled in the International Academy of Design and Technology in Orlando in 2003. With visions of making big bucks as a web designer, she didn't give much thought to the interest rate on her loan from Sally May, which is the Fannie Mae of student lending. Kratzer didn't know it at the time, but she was part of an experiment that had proved disastrous for borrowers and shareholders of Sally's parent, SLM Corp. It's called non-traditional lending. Uh-oh. Now, that's not a sociological <laughs> term, said the chief executive of SLM. He told an industry or audience of financial analysts, he said it's basically kids and parents with poor credit who are at the wrong schools. Sally May was set up by the government in 1972 and began privatizing its ownership in 1997. It began non-traditional lending in the easy money heyday of 2002 when it cut deals with dozens of trade schools to become their preferred subprime student lender 
You're a subprime student. Do you oh. even know that such a term existed? If you're a subprime student, you shouldn't be going to school. Over the next four years, Sally doled out $5 billion to people like Ms. Kratzer, waiving the credit scores and co-signers formally required for its loans. Their bill, or the bill arrived last year after non-traditional borrowers began entering the workforce. Of the half no longer studying, Sally had written off 15% of loans by last June. The most recent period for which it has released figures, another 24%, were delinquent. Among traditional loans for four-year universities, write-offs ran 12, uh, 2% and delinquencies 49 and they uh, they continued going into the the dollars here, but uh, suffice it to say, it's little consolidation to Kratzer, the fact that they abandoned non-traditional lending last January. Shortly after graduating with an Associate of Arts degree, she discovered the high-paying job she'd hoped to qualify for, go to people with bachelor's degrees and years of experience. After a bout of unemployment when she lived off credit cards, oh no! Kratzer recently found an hourly job as a clerk at a magazine where she earns less than the average high school graduate. In the meantime, her four $15,000 student loan has mushroomed to 27000 more than she makes in a year, and continues to accrue interest, accrue interest at 18% a year. She says collection agents wow. for Sally and others hound her to hit up rel- and hit up relatives for the money she owes. My, wor- my mom works at a restaurant. My stepdad is in prison, says Kratzer. There are so many people like me out there. They just don't get seen, and they don't get heard. Mindy Babbitt entered Davenport University in her mid-twenties to study accounting. Unable to cover the costs with her previous earnings as a cosmetologist, she took out a $35,000 student loan at 9% interest, figuring her postgraduate income would cover the cost. After all, that's what they tell the kids. You're going to make more, kids. Instead, the entry-level job, her bachelor's degree, bachelor's, got her, barely covered living expenses. Babbitt deferred loan repayments and was laid off for a time. Now 41 and living in Michigan, she's earning 41000 a year, or about 10000 more than the average high school graduate makes. But since she graduated, her student loan balance has more than doubled to $87,000. And she despairs that she'll never pay it off. She says, unless I win the lottery or get a job paying a lot more, my student debts are going to follow me to the grave. And Babbitt is no oddity. In fact, one in four college grads takes home considerably less than the top quartile of high school graduates, according to a college board study. Even some people with doctorates can earn less than people without so much as an associate's degree. And it shows. For an indication of how out of touch the degree factories are with economic reality, there's no need to pick on UCLA's course in queer musicology or Edith Cowan's university's degree in surf science. U.S. universities also minted 37,000 history degrees in 2006, including 852 PhDs. Now, that's for a field with fewer than 500 job openings and an average pay of $48,500. Plumbers, by contrast, enjoyed 16,000 new jobs that year and earn only $6,000 less than the historians, according to census figures. So the numbers just aren't there in the industry to support the amount of just the, just the amount of history grads that are coming out of these colleges. Right. <laughs> you know, this is one of the degrees that I would love to get. I would love to be a history major, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and graduate with a graduate with a bachelor's, maybe even a master's in history. I I love the idea, but what in the hell are you going to do with it? I you know thirty seven thousand history you, degrees. You can take a history degree and parlay it parlay it into a law school, 
or a professorship, and that's it. Or, you know, teaching, I guess, uh, you know, te- teaching at a high school level. But I don't want to do any of those things. Thanks. It's I just, just like the idea of having the knowledge. Toll-free number here and is... And I can learn that on my own. Thank 800-259-9231. you. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want. You're welcome to share your story on this topic, or, again, change it to whatever you feel like it should be. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves here on Free Talk Live. Once again, 800 259 our archives website and podcast will continue to stay free but if you think other people deserve to hear this show consider becoming a free talk live amplifier for just three dollars a month at amp.freetalklive.com help free some minds visit amp.freetalklive.com This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners just like you. Just go to wiki.freetalklive.com and get interactive free. It's wiki.freetalklive.com. Did you know that over 35% of IT admins admit to snooping through their boss's email? Shouldn't your business email be secure? PrivacyHarbor.com is an email alternative that's both private and confidential, guaranteed. You can get a free account today by going to PrivacyHarbor.com because normal email is not secure. PrivacyHarbor.com. So we're talking about college loans and how it is that it's a big ripoff for a lot of people that think that they're going to get a good deal. They think they're going to be able to pay them off no problem with their big paying jobs that are just waiting for them just around the bend. Just going to finish this four years and get you know $40,000, $100,000 in debt. Maybe more than that. It's like $40,000 per, per year at some school, isn't it? Anyway, maybe more Some, than that. Certainly. Uh, get thousands of dollars into debt and then... Uh, Tens just of thousands. It's, it's really difficult to walk away just with just thousands yeah. of dollars in debt in college. And then they'll, you know, they believe they're going to pay it off real quick with their newfound uh, wonderful job. But when the jobs don't materialize or they're not making as much as they thought they were going to, then they get into a real bad way. Now, I had thought that Jason Osborne from SACL had suggested that if uh, someone was paying for your college, you should do it. But apparently he meant if that someone is someone besides your parents. According to an instant message he sent me, uh, Osborne does not advocate taking money from parents for college unless you hate your parents. If you're smart enough to go to college, he says, college will pay you to go. If you aren't smart enough to get paid, then college isn't going to help you. So basically saying that uh, you pretty much need to get a scholarship? Is that what I'm understanding? I, yeah, I, you know, I mean, this, as far as I'm concerned, of obviously this system would not work if um, you know everybody did it. But as, yeah, yeah of, of our listeners here, yeah, you should have a scholarship or you shouldn't go to college because you can make plenty of money being a driven person who, with a high school diploma, um, I, you know, the, the money I spent on college I consider wasted. I didn't do that much of it, and I do just fine. Thanks well, very much. My life is good. Well, let's see. I mean, gets right there is the example that they gave us in the Forbes article, the story from Forbes. Dot com where the plumber is you know a plumber is making six thousand dollars less than a historian and you need a PhD to be a, a historian right so. and pl- <laughs> plumbers are essentially it's, it's a license to write mo- to make money um, a license to print money they um, <laughs> I mean you you make good money and you can do it without even going to plumbing school without even just going to trade school yeah you can get paid to learn how to do it right. and I think that that's, that's the, the best way, way the best way to do it um, do things go into something you want to do that's my first and foremost most advice if what you want to do really 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 is something that requires college 
then you, you should do, do that. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> look in other places to, for things that you might want to do, too, and don't just bounce around and spend your parents' money. You see, the fact is, not only are students caught into this trap, but parents and even the people with the money to, to, to give, they're caught in this whole idea that college is the only way that, we'll, that, that people will, 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 will turn, amount to anything. It's just nonsense. That's, so that's the people giving the grants believe that. The parents writing the checks mm-hmm. believe that. The students going in believe that. And, and it then, turns out the vast majority of people who get a degree aren't doing the work in the area that they studied for. So what true. in the hell did they need to go to college for? Well, and and you know, the, and what I didn't realize was that only 50% of the people that start college actually end up finishing it. So that's a statistic I didn't even know was the case. So you've got that first statistic that says the people that graduate college, 90% of them aren't working in the field that their degree is in, but 50% of college kids didn't even get to the point of graduation. And all of those 50% have, a lot of them have college loans they've got to pay off and nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The article continues here that uh, not all history majors want to become historians, of course, uh, because they were talking about how many history majors there are, 37,000 bachelor's degrees turned out in, uh, in history for a a job market where there's only 500 jobs possibly available. Anyway, for many, a bachelor's degree is nothing but a stepping stone to a professional degree. Joel Kellum is one of those. After graduating from the University of Virginia, he got into California Western. Kellum approached a law professor about the wisdom of borrowing for the tuition. This is the guy that took out the the loans and then got married and is now a yeah. hundred thousand dollars in debt or hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Well, in they, debt. the the two of them were two hundred thousand yeah. dollars in debt. I don't know who has what and how much he and is going to end up having to pay because so, it never goes well. So the professor said to him, "Ah, oh, don't worry, we had the same thing when we were in school." Kellum filled out a fat. Well, pack did you of- hear? Did you hear what I just at the beginning of this article? What I said was, "Well, college loans come at a low interest rate. I don't know what mm. these people are doing." Well, it's obvious that I have some pretty dated information when you read this Forbes article. The fact is, you know, I thought, yeah, sign that loan, kid, because only the student's going to get the lowest rate. The parents aren't. Oh, my gosh. uh, You know, uh, this guy was at a, what, 10% interest rate? It's crazy. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but here's what happened. I mean, you're dealing with, you know, it's it's almost like the... the predatory sort of military recruiters feeding off the innocence of the teenagers of America, getting them uh, to join up with this program they think is going to be all wonderful, and then it turns out to be an awful experience for them. Similarly, when you're graduating high school, you don't know what you're doing in the in the realm of loans. No. A lot of high school kids don't even understand how credit cards work, and you've got these lenders that are coming to them, and here's what happened with Kellum. He filled out a fat packet of forms in his school's financial aid office. Weeks later, he got a phone call asking him to sign over a check to the school without any discussion of the loan terms. And he complied. So, of course, it's buyer beware, you know, caveat emptor if you're going to be getting a loan. these are people you're supposed to trust. These are people that have been set up your whole life. Your whole life. Your parents give over to you the care and custody of their five-year-old to these people. And then, you know, so, so you're supposed to trust them. They are in positions that you've been told your whole life. Don't worry. They'll take care of you. And... You know, the evidence I see is, in fact, when you do turn them over to these people, that the fact is they warp the young minds well, and, and uh, by the looks of it, uh, impoverish them for the rest of their lives, and turn them into co- slave labor. These colleges have exclusive deals. So the kids don't know about shopping around for loans. They nope. don't know about this stuff. They're not. T- remember, when I was in government high school, the one financial thing we were taught 
one thing was how to write a check. Yep. That was it. So you graduate from high school, you know nothing unless your parents have helped you understand financial intelligence. Except for how to write these people a check. And, right, and right, and and many parents are as in the darkest. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people are very in the dark about financial intelligence, so they're just not passing on that information to their kids. Well, and, and so when the kids get to the college and they figure they need money for school, where do they go? The college financial loan or the financial aid office. That's the only place they know of to go to get this loan. And so the college financial aid. Oh, sure, yeah, we can get you that. Here you go. Just fill out this info, and then you've got your loan. But you didn't shop around. You didn't. We have aid uh, packages for you, and the. the, the likely don't even use the right terminology. Sure, we'll get you a big inflated loan. No, they say, we have aid packages for you. Mm-hmm. Sure, sign right here. Right. This, you know, this, this will help you. We'll get it for you. Yeah, you'll have to you'll have to give us a check for this, but uh, we'll take care of paying the rest, and, you know, and then they're screwed. Only after Mr. Kellum graduated and his payments came due did he then dig into the details, and what he discovered was that instead of cheap government loans that he was expecting, the bulk of his debt was in signature loans, variable rate debt from Sally wow. May. Kellum Kellum's variable rate has ticked as high as 9% and his ex-wife's up to 12%. Like many grads, they hit bumps along their career paths. They deferred payments once they were unemployed and twice more after their children were born. Now, of course, again, we're talking about people that just... I mean, again, it's just such a big problem in America. Financial, lack of financial intelligence. You've got college loans and you're pumping out kids? It just doesn't seem to be the right time. I know, Mark, you're saying there's, uh, you can have kids early on in life, but I don't think you should be having kids if you can't afford to be paying for your own bills. Um, I, I, I love the opinion that there's never a right time financially to have children because the vast majority, of people, the vast majority of people spend to their income, period. End of story. So do you, are you saying they shouldn't breed? I'm saying if you can't afford your own bills, you can't afford to add another mouth. So when That's you, what I'm saying. What do you mean you can't afford your own bills? Do you mean you're making the payments on your loans or... I don't care. If you can't make your payments, which so is what these house, people were... If your house isn't paid for, if your car isn't paid say that. for... Okay, no, I didn't fine. say that. There, that's, if that, you that's can't afford your own bills, you can't afford another mouth to feed. That's all. And, you know, people, when they get pregnant, they feel obligated to pop out a kid. Uh, more on the way here. 800-259-9231. A little bit more from the story. Your calls as well about whatever you want. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. You can dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line at 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give to you. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more internet listeners on board, and helping expose new people to the ideas of freedom. And if that's valuable to you and you want to get, uh, get access to AMP perks like the AMP only call in lines, chat room, forum, and more, get all the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And we got some really big news yesterday that I think will be pretty exciting to uh, those of you who are amplifiers and probably the rest of you listening to. Uh, the big news is that for the first time ever, Free Talk Live is now being included in the top 100, the heavy 100 as they are called, top 100 most influential talk show hosts in the country, yeah, according they, to Talkers Magazine. They included me this time. It was real nice. 
Yeah, Ian, uh, Ian Freeman and Mark Edge from Free Talk Live. We're number 97 on the list of 100. Uh, of course, Rush is number one on that list. So. Conspicuously absent, Bill O'Reilly. He wasn't on the list this time around? No. Oh, okay. Well, he's going to be leaving radio in another two weeks. That would be why he's probably absent. Uh, so we made the list. And now we've been in the top 250 for the last few years. We've been in there, Talkers 250. But now we're, we're highlighted in the heavy 100 at number 97, which means that... This show, uh, Talkers Magazine, the industry publication for the talk, uh, talk radio business, thinks that we're worthy. And it's all thanks to you, the amplifiers. It's all thanks to our $3 a month contributors for helping us buy those ads in Talkers Magazine, which I'm sure is a factor. Well, and I, I don't, I, I'm sure and getting 50, uh, almost 50 radio affiliates on board as well, you know, which is a major factor. Having worked in the magazine industry, I know that you have to come up on the radar of the people that are writing these yeah. lists, lists. And it may be that we, um, you know, that one of the ways that we came up on their radar is by buying the ad, no doubt. But, but without f- the dozens of affiliates if they, they shoot their them. credibility then yeah. they're, what they're doing is uh, they're opening themselves to competition um, and you know they currently they enjoy a monopoly in that area talkers magazine is the is the only yeah. industry magazine so you know i don't i don't think that the advertising puts you on the list otherwise we would have been on the first uh, year um, when Obviously. we advertised and that doesn't make any sense and we weren't on the heavy 100 so no we I didn't don't even think make so. the 250 the first year no so I mean, are we influential? Yes. I mean, look at talk radio now. For five years... That's right. Glenn Beck's copying you. They, they, they're copying... The, the Dennis Miller's copying. They're all copying. There's libertarians running all <laughs> over the place. Where were they five years ago Self, when we started? Self-proclaimed libertarians. Fine. Yeah. So, good news. Figured we'd share that with you. Thanks to the amplifiers for making it possible. Yep. Amp.freetalklive.com. Let's continue and talk to James in Kentucky. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Mark. Hello, James. Hey. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, you guys are dead on about college. Um, my roommate currently, she uh, she went to college, spent a lot of money in student loans. Now she's having to fight those back. I work with people who have degrees in computer science. Mm-hmm. They make almost nothing more than I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess the hardest hitting point is I didn't even graduate high school. Are you also a computer tech, or is that your job, too? Yeah, yeah. I see. I work in uh, basically technical support. In uh, How did you get your job? I mean, if everybody believes they need to have a college degree to get a, a decent-paying job, what what was it that set you apart from the pack? One word, experience. How'd you get it? Uh, I worked in computer repair mm-hmm. uh, before that, and I walked in with a resume that said that I was technically affluent. And basically, you know, I just walked into the job. Did you have any certifications? Uh, no. Wow. No, not other, so, other than experience. So, yeah, just know, the I mean, on-the-job experience of working as a computer tech, which is essentially, you know, the kind of the uh, the Best Buy tech team style job, that kind of thing, right, where you're repairing people's uh, broken hard drives and recovering data, things like that, those kinds of jobs? Exactly. Getting rid of viruses, things like that doing networking, troubleshooting. So for the four years that, uh, you know, let's just say where a college kid might have gone in uh, to college and went to classes for four years, you were working at some computer store, and then down the line you took that experience and rolled it into a better-paying computer career. Exactly. Great. And, exa- and you know, and I've, I've moved into management now, and, and you know, eventually I will get an even higher-paying job. Do you think they teach uh, people how to manage in college, in, uh, in the college computer classes? 
Probably not. As far as I'm aware, I know a lot of people that have, you know, gotten computer science degrees. Mm -hmm. And as far as I'm aware, what you come away from with a college computer science degree is heavily dated information. Mm. Yep, figures. Um, you know, the the big schools even are are far behind. It's it's such a fast moving industry, and and it'd be so difficult. I went to a technical school where I ended up. Now I'll grant you, it was in prison. But in nineteen eighty ninety, I got came out with a de, uh, you know a uh, not a degree, but a you know a certificate and on how to repair engines. And the the what we were taught on was carburetors in nineteen ninety. I mean, they didn't even use that technology oh, really? at that time. Wow. It's an amazing story, James. I thank you for sharing it. Any other thoughts tonight? Well, just that on the subject of spending your parents' money for college, I think that that is uh, uh, almost criminal. And I know that a lot of parents, you know, they believe in that, and they they, they will throw money at their children. Yeah. But if I were an honorable child raised correctly if my mother offered to give me a hundred thousand dollars to go to college i'd say no use that for your retirement yeah i wouldn't want to be uh, owned by my parents we've had people call this show suggesting that well dad's uh, willing to pay for college but it's going to mean i have to follow his rules and there's a very real possibility that hey if i'm going to give somebody some money they're going to have to follow my rules too so it kind of makes sense from the parental perspective uh but if you don't want to be owned by your parents in that way then it's just another reason to not take the money from them yeah exactly and i mean really it's just, it's just almost. In my opinion, it's it's just terrible to take your parents' money and 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 do that. I mean, they could use that. Most parents in the middle class, mm -hmm. they really need that money for themselves. But they're doing it out of a, a feeling of obligation for their kids. They want what's best, what they believe to be what's best for their kids. When in point of fact. A college degree may not be what's best, as you pointed out from your experience. Great call tonight, James. Thank you for making it. Appreciate it. You know, as coming coming from the point of view of a parent, I would be willing to say match funds with my uh, with Jack to go to college if that's mm -hmm. what he wanted to do, and if he earned his money through scholarships or grants or things like that. As far as I'm concerned, he earned that money, and I might, be, that I might be willing to match that. But there's no way on heaven or hell that I'm going to send my kid to college uh, on a free ride because they're not going to appreciate it. They're mm -hmm. not going to. They're not even. They're going to walk out thinking education's free, and I'm going to vote for free education. Hell yeah, hell dad's no. paying me to drink. There's somebody on the front of that room that's getting paid a whole bunch of money to teach you, and uh, you better appreciate what you're spending, the kind of money you're spending on it. Let's continue and talk to Daniel in. Louisiana. Daniel, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Daniel? Oh, man. Well, one, congratulations on kicking uh, Bill O'Reilly right there in the danglies there and uh, throwing around <laughs> the heavy 100. But, uh, Thank you. Anyway, sure. I, you know, I've been telling people for years about the scam that is college. Um, you know, think about the money that's invested in, for by most people, invested in um, this higher education that they're supposed to make all this money in. I uh, I can count numerous people that you know they get these you know degrees, sometimes advanced degrees, and then the next thing you know they're um, working in the service industry. Mm -hmm. 
Um, they've got excellent uh, communication skills that they've developed in their extensive uh, uh, interview processes. Yeah, absolutely. There's a really nice guy here in Keene, New Hampshire, that uh, has a literature, um, you know, some kind of uh, working on his master's in his literature, in literature or something like that. Has a uh, uh, you know, college degree in literature that uh, you know, will will hand you your scorecard at the bowling alley. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fantastic. Well, well, you know, hey, he, he can. He's the top scorer for everybody, right? He, I, he's I, right I, on it. He's, it's all accurate. It's all you know, accurate. I get to talk to him. I, I love talking to the guy because we talk about different books and things that we enjoy. Uh-huh. He's, he's a Tom Robbins fan too. So, you know, and the thing about it is though, um, the, the the reason for the lie. I mean. You know, government schools are referred by many as uh, government indoctrination centers mm-hmm. and uh, higher learning. It's it's just a, it's just another um, extension of that. It's and true. By having someone indentured to you for large amounts of money, or indentured to someone, it's a, it's a means of control. People that have extensive. Uh, Enormous debt yeah. are much less likely to be rebellious. Yeah, they can't step out of line. You're absolutely right. Spot on. I, we're out of time. Thank you for the call, Daniel. Uh, it's been Ian here with you. And Mark. And don't forget that without all the government involvement in education, college would be a lot cheaper. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.